Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. We have an action-packed episode today for you, and I am pumped for it. So without further ado, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Feeling good, man. How's it, how's it been going up in D.C. with the whole quarantine going on? I'll tell you what, it's May and it's still cold and rainy here, JT. So don't don't remind me. Let's just get into this. I don't want to talk about it. You'll do anything to get back to Miami. Not true. Not true. Not true. Yeah, we, we do have a lot to get to today, but uh, we're going to start off on a sad note. So uh, as many of you know, uh, on Monday, all-time great NFL Holocaust. Hall of Fame coach and Dolphins, Miami Dolphins legend, Don Shula passed away at age 90. Uh, Like I said, all-time wins leader in NFL history with 347. He was also a two-time Super Bowl champion. And of course, you know, we're going to talk about this later. Coached the only perfect season in NFL history. But I just want to know, obviously, there's there's a lot of good things we're going to talk about about Shula, but what was your immediate reaction when you heard about him passing away? Yeah, I think it was a sad day uh, in the football world as well as, you know, just a sad day in sports in general because he's an iconic coach. Uh, you know, I, I think of him seems like a well-respected coach and a well-respected uh, person, um, which is good to hear, you know, the combination of that. But uh, he may – Jimmy, he may – have had the best overall coaching career that I can think of in terms of think about he had the low of Super Bowl three, which really sucks for him. Right. But he gets to coach Johnny U. Then he has the highs of winning back to back Super Bowls for the Dolphins gets to coach in Miami, live in South Florida. All right. Then one of those back to back titles in 72, a perfect season. The only, the only one to go, perfect the whole uh, a, year you said a perfect season a perfect season doesn't oh mean, yeah sorry sorry my uh my it, earphones were cutting in and out. i didn't know if i heard you say that correctly it does not mean they're the greatest of all time and that was like 50 years ago so get over it but anyway he also then gets to coach dan marino on the back end of his career so you got unitas and marino and then he's got um the all-time wins in nfl history He's got his sons coaching in football, and then he lives till he's 90 to enjoy about 25 years of retirement. I mean, I, I don't know how else. And he, you know, fairly pretty good health, it seemed like, his whole life. I, I don't know what else you want as far as a coaching career. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, as a Dolphins fan, this is always, you know, sad when, you know, you lose one of the 
one of the greats ever in Dolphins history. And then just from, obviously, I'm from South Florida. I'm from Miami. And just growing up, you know, when you think of South Florida and everything that's sports, since I've been alive, you think of, you know, like you mentioned, Dan Marino, you think of Don Shula. Like, you can't go anywhere, in, especially in, in, uh, in Dade County, without seeing something Shula-related, whether it's a golf course, the steakhouse, um, the <laughs> yeah. Shula Burger places. Like, it, his name is all over South Florida, and it's everywhere. So it was more than just, you know, him being the coach of the Dolphins. Like, like I said, he was South Florida. So it's really sad to, you know, when you hear news like this. And, I mean – his like you said you mentioned his family like they're all they're all been successful and following his footsteps and coaching and things like that and to me he's the face of Miami Dolphins history and I just like when you think of the Dolphins it's not really for me as much so much as Marino and all those things like that it's just every time he got Don Shula got carried off the field like when he broke the wins record he got carried off the field when he won that Super Bowl against Washington he got carried off off the field like, that's what you remember about the Dolphins. And we're so far removed from that as right. a fan base that people forget that this was actually, like, a really, really successful winning franchise at one point. So, well, well, think about it. While he was still there, he had that great run in the 80s with Marino as we were growing up and, and we started to understand sports a lot more early right, 90s. Right early, out of the gates with Marino, first year. Yeah, in, in early to mid-90s when you and I were really starting to understand sports and rooting probably – you know, as passionate as a, as a little kid can do, like the Dolphins were perennial title contenders. We were the Patriots just minus the Super Bowls. Pretty, yeah, out of that. Well, you had the Bills in the AFC East too, but I mean, it was always Dolphins-Bills, you know, like AFC yeah. East. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we'll definitely miss them. But with that, with that being said, so – Thinking about his all-time place among the greatest coaches, obviously he's got the wins. I mean, there's nobody can take that away from him. Who's on your, let's say, Mount Rushmore, so to speak, of NFL coaches? Well, I've got so we got put our list put four up. Better here. not be this. Our list better not be the same. <laughs> we didn't check ahead of time. Maybe we should have. Uh, so we got to have four on there. I'm gonna go my guy with the Steelers, Chuck Knoll. All Ooh. right. All right. There uh, we go. Don Shula, I, I put up there. Uh, Bill Belichick, and then the trophy's named after him, so I got, I got to go Vince Lombardi. Yeah, we're pretty similar. I got Shula, Belichick, Lombardi, and I actually put. Uh, See, I knew you would do this. No, no one gives respect to Chuck Noll. It's unbelievable. No, it, no, it no, is no. Unbelievable. Here's the, here's the thing. I actually two reasons I didn't put him on. One because I obviously knew you would put him on, and then. <laughs> I thought about it, and it's kind of hard to leave Walsh off of there. And I, the reason I, the reason I put him on there instead of Noel was I felt that he fit better with my other three in the fact that I think they all can do this, but these four guys for sure, they could win in any era, and they could win with anybody. And you look at it, you mentioned all the players that Shula had, and he had success with all them through different decades, Belichick, Everybody thinks he can turn anybody into a good player. Walsh, look how many people came through his system. And then you look at Lombardi. Like you said, the trophy's named after him. He won with a lot of people. So that's why I went with those four. So I respect the Walsh thing, but if you're going to keep Noel off, this is what I would argue is. I mean, it's only four. Right. It's only four. But, I mean, you, you know, you're stating a case for your guy. The difference is, and I've argued this with people before, is 
Bill Walsh, I think his window was shorter than any of those coaches. And to me, that is what really makes a great coach to be on Mount Rushmore. Obviously, Walsh is a great coach, one of the best ever in all of sports. But he burned out at the end, man. And, like, that's part of coaching. Can you do that grind every day knowing win or lose, you're taking heat? And the other four guys I mentioned did it way longer than Walsh and either as successful or more successful because he's got three Super Bowls. Also, too, you have a good point. Also, too, the thing that came down – and this is, I think this is a matter of personal opinion. What came down to me, to me at the end with Walsh and Noah was – I truly think Walsh, people might not admit this, I think he made a lot of those guys that turned out to be Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers more than them actually being Hall of Fame players talent-wise. Like, that was an amazing system, and to have everybody that played in that system balled out. So, like, are you are you sure Jerry Rice would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't play on in that system? I, I believe so because of his work ethic, how skilled he was, and just his dedication to the game. I think absolutely it helped being with Walsh in Montana. But you could say, hey, look what they did without Walsh when Seifert was the coach. So how much do you put on Walsh when Seifert blew out Denver, what, 55-10 in the Super Bowl after the Niners the year before with Walsh barely beat the Bengals? I guess the same argument can be made about the Steelers. You know, they have so many great players on their team. Was it the coach or was it the players? I mean, I guess we'll never know because – those players never played without Chuck Knoll. That's the difference. Well, we know where you stand. <laughs> so the last dance documentary on ESPN, we're in the middle of it, JT. Even though the Bulls from the 90s are definitely not one of my favorite teams, it is an awesome documentary. Um, a it couple is. of It is. Can we just like give props that I'll admit it, you were way more excited about this documentary than I was. When I I'm just not a real documentary guy at first. I kind of have which to, I'm surprised by the way. But go ahead. We'll it depends. Get into that more. Like if it, if it's something if it's something that's really interesting to me at the moment, I'll get into it. But I just have to catch it to sit down and actually you know really take it in for what it's worth. I'll admit I told you before I really wasn't that excited about this because it's like oh it's Michael Jordan. Like I feel like we know a lot about him, mm -hmm. but I just feel this is so well done, and I didn't think this was the storytelling route that they were going to take because it's really not about him as much as it's about the situation kind of but it's a lot yeah. about him too let's not you know, it's a lot forward. about him but like they, <laughs> how, how much they put other players into it I mean yeah yeah well when you got 10 parts you got it you got to have a little bit more than just Michael Jordan but a couple of those episodes focused on Dennis Rodman which is always interesting Love so <laughs> I want to know what you think of the worm was his nickname the worm uh I want to know what your thoughts on him as a player? Strange. <laughs> as Even as a player. Okay. Strange, okay. man. I will say this, though. Uh, we talk about this all the time. They are so lucky that we didn't have social media back <laughs> then because I don't know if Dennis Rodman would have made it throughout any part of his career. But um, just on strictly with him as a player, uh, for after watching this documentary – I think he gets underrated as far as how athletically gifted he was. Oh, for and sure. How, and how much of – I think people think that he's great on defense and rebounds, but if you – did you see the episode, part of the episode, where he was saying, like, he would just go study, like, where guys would take shots on yeah. at certain positions on the court, and he knew based on that position 
where the ball would, if they would miss it, where it would bounce off. And that's how he knew where to be for rebounds. That just shows to me, he, his dedication to the game and what he does well is, is basically the same level as Jordan. And I think that he's basically a defensive savant and it's just, it's underrated. And I think this show is bringing light to that where I think a lot of people don't necessarily see him in that way because they think of the hair, yep. you know, they think he's crazy. They don't necessarily think he's intelligent, but this definitely showed me he's a smart basketball, basketball player. Also too, I'm really confused about, now that I actually see his style of play and like you get the full perspective of, you know, from Detroit to San Antonio to Chicago, people say people who we trust that rank, you know, NBA players, you know, all time in their games and, you know, they break them down. I'm really curious that people who break down NBA games on one hand, you know, he played in an era where it was okay to mug people and, you know, just tackle people. And it was okay to do that. And they're still saying that his game is so great. But, like, if if you and I did this at, like, let's say, L.A. Fitness, anybody who swears they know anything about basketball would say we don't know what we're doing. Like, we suck. <laughs> we don't know how to play. Like, imagine if you went to a pickup game and played like Dennis Rodman did, like, with the Pistons. Like, would people think you were a good basketball player? So that's, that's the, like, the real confusing part to me. But overall, I just think that it just shows that he was a great teammate but a terrible opponent to play against. Well, I mean, that's a great point by you, but I think the difference is he would do it with a little bit better finesse than how, myself how? or you would. Because He's literally more, tackling people. How is that more finesse? Well, because, again, back in, the, back in the 80s, that was a little bit more common. And then in the 90s, that was his kind of his role was to be that agitator, right? Him and Carl Malone. We knew offensively he's not as good as Malone, but him getting wrestling with Malone in the backcourt – like, that was part of the game. That was part of the psyche, you know? So, um, but my thoughts on him is maybe the best all-around defensive player. So, it's funny that you say that. But, I mean, he could man up on you. He could rebound. He's going to get some blocks. Um, but no matter how fast, tall, small you were, he could, he could D up on you. He could guard um, any, any position. Yep, and he was just, to me, the ultimate team player. Hey, I don't need the ball. I'm going to get rebounds and put those back up. I'm going to run the court with you either to get an easy layup or just spread out the, the defense on the fast break. And then he was just huge in all five titles, two in Detroit, three in Chicago. Uh, I mean, they lucky they kept him under control. Player. He could have cost them a few appearances. <laughs> Maybe. Ultimate team player. Uh, so then this is the, the, the burning question is his importance to MJ during those three seasons. How do you see it? Um, I think it was, I think it's underrated because I think him being so great on defense and like you said, him embracing that role and like he basically, that's what he loved to do. Like he didn't care about offense. I want to get my boards, D up the best player on the court and, you know, help my team win and get under the best player's skin. I think, not just for Jordan, but for Scottie Pippen, like them knowing that they got a guy like that on their team, that they don't have to worry about ego on offense, allowed them to focus more on offense. And also I think it showed them how to be better defenders than they already were and to increase their competitiveness on defense. Because I think being with Rodman, Jordan became a better defensive player. Pippen was already great on defense, but he took it to another level. Like once they saw, okay, they're all competitive. This guy's a, like maybe the best defender in the league. We, we still got to show him that we can do it too. Yeah, I, like I said, he was huge for all five titles. 
and I think even more so in that 96 to 98 frame. And I don't think they win without him. And I think they can only win with him in the sense at the power forward, because I'll tell you why. Two years in a row, he had to guard Carl Malone, all right? And then in 96 against my guy, one of my favorite players of all time, Sean Kemp. Kemp, in my opinion, and I'll knock on Jordan here, and people can say whatever they want. Kemp was the best player in that finals. You go compare his numbers to MJ, I mean, Kemp is right there, if not better. But the problem was, well, Gary Payton wasn't feeding Kemp the ball enough. But two, you know, Dennis Rodman, any other guy, Kemp would probably have scored 40 in that series. But because it was Rodman, he kept them enough at bay to help the Bulls win. So I don't think they win any of those three without Rodman, and they could only use Rodman because he had to go against Kemp, one of the best power fours at the time, and Malone, MVP. I'll tell you the numbers. Listen, Jordan only averaged 27.3 in that finals with five assists, four boards. He shot 41.5% from the field. Kemp had 23.3 points, but then 10 boards, two assists, a steal per game and two blocks per game, shooting 55% and shot better at the free throw line than Michael Jordan. So I think he had all dunks. So (laughs) to me, without Rodman, I don't think they're able to slow down Malone and Kemp the way they did. And it's a whole different game. All right. Yeah, I definitely can get with you on that. So, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. So I know because you love you love these questions. Go ahead. Are you ready to change? I like all our questions. Are you ready to change your opinion? So are you saying Rodman's more important to Jordan's success than Pippen? No, because remember, Pippen, Jordan won three before Rodman. I'm just saying overall impact. His time with Jordan versus Pippen's time with Jordan without Rodman. Oh, it's it's Pippen still more important. All right. I wasn't making sure that you weren't ready yeah. to come off that answer. No. Pippen was there longer, and Pippen was huge those first uh You three, just can't admit when you're – you titles. just can't admit if you're wrong. You're just going to stick to your guns no matter what. See, that's why I can't do this show with you. Why? I'm loyal. That's what you should want, a loyal person. Loyal your to yourself. <laughs> wow. All right, so – this must be a JT question. Do you think there are too many sport documentaries now? Because you just said that you don't like them usually. Well, here's the thing. I, like the ESPN 30 for 30, I like those because it's about like an event more so than like the whole person's life sometimes. And then sometimes I like hearing about interesting people. But doesn't it seem like everybody now, because Jordan did this and it's so successful and everybody loves it, now all of a sudden everybody's got – Oh, Magic's got all this footage locked in the vault, and he's coming out with a with a documentary. Like, don't get me wrong, I would love to see a Kobe Bryant documentary, but I feel like we've seen like a bunch of them already. Um, he's gonna have a documentary coming out. Barkley's got a documentary coming out. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is gonna have a documentary coming out. Like everybody, like Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes are gonna have a documentary coming out. Like everybody wants, everybody's got footage in a vault somewhere, and now's the time to release it. I don't know. I, I I don't have a thing against documentaries, but damn, like everybody's not meant to have a documentary. Some people we just don't need to know about. Listen, that's been going on for a long time now. All right. So, but anyway, there's never too many sport documentaries. I knew never. you were going to say that. I we, knew you were going to say that. JT. Especially right now. Oh, especially <laughs> right have now. No what, live sports. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Especially right now. Listen, you and I love the backstories 
as much as the game almost. So how can you not love it? Like they're inspirational at times, they're controversial. And then they teach young kids, you know, the history, if we're talking about sports documentary, the history of sports in, in a very uh, entertaining way. So I don't know how you can't like sport documentaries. You can never have too many. Never. Uh, only positive, the one positive thing I will say I see is that depending on who the documentary is about, I think this is a great opportunity to, to bridge the gap in generations and really let the, ga- like the, the people know that are younger, okay, like this is what MJ was really like. Like here's the footage. Like we have your undivided attention. And maybe some guy, like I would love to see a guy like Sean Kemp get a documentary because I feel like you said he's one of the probably most forgotten underrated players of all time and people don't know anything about him. But if they saw a documentary about him, they might be like, oh, all right, this dude was serious. So I, I, I get your point, and I think that's a positive about it, but everybody don't need a documentary. <laughs> well, I kind of disagree. But speaking of basketball and the NBA, the NBA is being propositioned by MGM in Las Vegas to play the rest of their season there. Uh, basically, it would be a one block on the strip to house players, their families, league members, media employees, and then staff and vendors as needed. So I want to know what are your thoughts on that? Well, if I'm a player, I can't look, send me there. Like it's Vegas. Basically, we're going to be staying in the strip on the hotel. But it's not, hold on. It's not going to be the usual. No, it's not going to be like that. But I mean, this shows you how ordinary and regular we are. I'm happy just to be in Vegas in a nice hotel. I don't care who's there. Like, there's no going, one else is going to be there. That's I know, the thing. No. Nothing's going to it's be your, opened. Your, you're with your boys. You're going like you rather go to work in D.C. in the cold weather, or you rather stay in the Aria. And, what I'm saying and, is, and go, and go downstairs to play basketball. I'd rather be in Vegas. I don't care if it's there's no no other people there or not except for us. All right. I mean, I'd rather be there. All I'm, right. Ask the ask the ask the guys on the Cleveland Cavs where they'd rather train: Cleveland the, or Vegas, empty Vegas. Are those your thoughts on it? Is that it? Is that all we got? Some of them. Some no, of them. I'm well, saying on this proposition, like I'm not asking you about Vegas. <laughs> well, I think the I think this is actually an interesting idea because well, MGM is basically propositioning like every major sport True. league to to hold their season. So I guess whichever one bites first, they're going to take. It'd be like I said, it'd be cool to finish out the season in Vegas. Like the summer league's already there, so I mean, it's good. You can kind of help me out on this. Let me know if this is true. If it's in, if you think if the NBA season finishes out in Vegas, it's going to increase like the betting. Like, I know everything's virtual right now with like the, with the gambling and placing bets in Vegas. Do you think this brings more attention to betting and more people that normally wouldn't do it with like place virtual bets? Well, virtual bets is, I mean, I think it's going to be high no matter what because people are just itching the bet on anything. So that usual, you know, casual fan that doesn't care about the, uh, you know, Memphis Grizzlies against the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah, they're going to be itching to even bet on that. So, yeah, I'd imagine that betting early on is going to be higher than normal for certain games. Yeah, I just want those teams, if they do decide to go to Vegas, I want those East Coast teams to have a chance to, like, you know, get acclimated to the time change, like the climate change. And then that way there's, like, no unfair advantage for, like, some of those West Coast teams. Well, I think they'll have probably a week or two of, like, a training camp, I'd imagine. I'd have, yeah. to, I'd have to imagine. Um, 
you know, it, if it is safe and the games get going and people can have, you know, that, in, that opens up some jobs now, uh, I think it can work. At first, I wasn't a fan of it, like when they said this maybe a month ago. Uh, but, you know, now I am because now we see that, hey, if this is one way to get it started and it's safe for the players and any of the employees that may need to go there, um, then, hey, if, if that'll start getting the ball, the normal – uh, the normalcy back, uh, I'm, I'm for it as long as it's safe. Now, the other flip side would be, should they just shut down the rest of the season? So, quick question. Do you think that give me a give me a percentage as far as if they do decide to resume this season in Vegas, no guess, what percentage of players do you think are going to be flying in girls anyway? Wow. I, I mean, why – I don't even know where that because you're because you you were saying you were saying oh you're playing in Vegas nobody's gonna be there yes we we think nobody's gonna be there but you know these guys are gonna find a way to get around the rules I mean I don't know what the percentage is what just do you give me think? a percentage what do you, what do you think, think it 50%? is what do you think, think it is eighty five I think eighty five percent of the dudes will be flying in girls breaking all <laughs> kind of quarantine rules well the difference is see I I think the difference might be JT is that. Guys that have families, I think the families might come with them, according to uh, some okay. of the reports. And so, because if not, they're going to be away for two months. This isn't just like a a one a week road, west. a road stand and then exactly, you come back, yeah, exactly. So you know, kids will be out of school at that point too, so they're not missing school. So um, I, I think I think it's going to be a controlled environment because this is the other thing, JT. Maybe on a usual road trip, they don't care who comes into the hotel. But here, because all the players are there, this is like a league quarantine. So they're not going to let anyone that's not approved to come in into their quarantine bubble. Who makes that approved list, though? That's the real question. The, t- the team and the league, I'm guessing. So, yeah, maybe if you're Michael Jordan, you'd be able to get away with it. But you think the last guy on the bench that usually is out late? Nah, nah, that's not, that's not happening. No way. All right. No way. Well, you kind you kind of started to answer the question for me. The second question of should they shut the league down for the whole season? I think they should. And reason is, can they even if let's say they set this whole thing up in Vegas? And you brought up a good point that I didn't think about that the families will likely probably be coming with them. So can the NBA guarantee that the players, the coaches, the staff, all of the other essential employees that are needed, not just to get the basketball game going, but to also broadcast it to us to see. And then all of those additional people that are coming in, whether it's, you know, family and friends, could you guarantee that all those people are going to enter Vegas coronavirus free? And then are they going to stay that way? Cause that's the biggest thing, because if, if you can't guarantee that to me as a league, then you're basically creating a barrel where it's going to create a, a mini pandemic and it could yeah. be a disaster. And I'm already kind of nervous about that happening because I don't know if you remember this a couple months ago, the NBA already advised teams to not test people in the organizations and the players that didn't show symptoms of having coronavirus already. So it's not safe to say that everybody's going to show up with a clean bill of health and document it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if it would, I don't think they should shut it down completely. Um, I think they can wait because the option would be you just want to win fantasy football, fantasy basketball, even if if they need to start it in August, late August, not that many games left, get the playoffs done as well. They can start next season, push it back. 
there's no need to start nowadays in beginning to mid-October, all right? Like, we're not even in the conference, uh, college football conference schedules yet. So start Christmas Day or start New Year's, a uh, couple days after New Year's, start the new league, uh, new league season. Then to go back to your question as far as, like, there's no guarantee of stuff, you're right. Maybe they don't have families come, but if they do, I think they're waiting for there to be enough tests to where they can test all the people that come to Vegas a, as part of the league. That's a lot of tests it, to get. It is. It is. But think about it. It is. Are, you, I think are, you, even hoping, sure many, are you even sure that many tests are available, I, just like in no, the general population? I, I, I don't, <laughs> but that is the problem. It's definitely not right now. So that's why the league is not doing it that way. What I'm saying yeah. is they're hoping probably it gets to a point where these tests are that readily available to where then they don't feel bad taking it and testing people that are showing no signs. Yeah, I think it's hard when you're dependent on that many people to do the right thing. And, you know, athletes. True. Well, not just athletes. Well, young people with money and time are knuckleheads anyway most of the time. So to say they're going to show up. We, we were once those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not the rich part, but the knucklehead part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh, of course. No, I can't trust them to show up and do it do what they're supposed to do. But uh you brought up a good point about, you know, NBA and they're kind of trying to figure out this whole thing with, you know, not just with corona, but just being quarantined and everybody being off their routine and away from everybody else and away from the team. So but did you see this that the Clippers uh have been holding like hour long team workouts on Zoom like three to four times a week? I know you've been doing stuff like this, right? You've been staying in shape. Or I've been, I've, I have been social distancing, running outside, you know, avoiding people by at least six feet, but I, I've been running outside. I got to because you're inside all day. That's all I do is eat, JT. Yeah, I've been taking, I've been taking this time to heal. I'm not, I don't think I've been working at it all. I might go outside <laughs> and walk or run. But you go for I'm, casual I'm in, walks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see why people don't work out, man. This is fun. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> uh, but. So the Clippers are doing these these workouts four times a week on Zoom. Do you think that other teams are keeping in shape? So, JT, to add to that, the Clippers eventually sent workout equipment to their guys as well. So they're they're all in. Steve Ballmer to, is like, we're all in here. I need to get on that list. <laughs> so uh, do other teams, are they staying in shape? Maybe not to that extent. Uh, that the Clippers are, but I can't imagine coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, the staff is not staying on top, that they're not staying on top of these guys. And maybe they're not playing pickup games because Giannis said he doesn't have a hoop to shoot at. But the better teams, like the Milwaukee Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, they have who have something to play for when the NBA returns, they're doing something. They're either the guys are checking in with themselves, holding each other accountable, the staff is sending them either uh, the Zoom, through Zoom meetings, they're doing it together, or they're sending them an email, hey, this is what you're doing today. Let us know when you've, when you've accomplished it or video, you know, video record yourself doing it. Send us the, the, the clip back to us. So that's what I got to think. That's your answer? That's, yeah, that's my answer. What else did Hell you Hell no, they're not. No, absolutely not. Man, they're they're on. I sent you this the other day. They're on boats partying with porn stars, man. Like this is like this is no different. Than that was one other. guy. Trust me, it ain't one guy. There was some other dudes involved in that too, and I'm pretty sure. Wasn't it not, a football player anyway? Nah, they're all there. It was some basketball players there too. Okay, 
No, but I'm saying, like, this is no different than any other offseason. And it basically comes down to the greats that work hard will continue to do and do this during the current situation. And the bums that don't and are average, they'll continue not to work out and be average. And it'll be the same thing as normal life. Wow. Whew. All right. Which one are you? Are you are you a great? Are you working out? Or are you the average bum? I'm trying to be great. I'm trying to be great. He sound like he's an average bum, y'all. <laughs> so... See how nice he is to me? A new year, same old JT. I could have said something much worse. Same old JT. Yeah, stay the same, right? Can't change. So we're going to switch gears and go to college football. I I read this, I think, yesterday, and I thought it was really interesting, so I begged you to throw it in the show. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this. So you know our favorite person at ESPN, Paul Feinbaum, uh, tweeted that the Minnesota Board of Regents member Michael Shu, I hope I'm saying his name right, Shu said that he could see the college football Power Five conferences. So that's like your SEC, ACC, Big 12, and those big major college football conferences breaking away from the NCAA in the next couple years. And Shu even went so much further to say that even if when college football resumes, that the power five conferences do initially stay with the NCAA at this point, it's viewed by everybody who knows about the situation as a short-term move. I saw this and I was like, wow, this is crazy. This could change the landscape of not just college football, but sports. But I want to get your thoughts on, do you one, do you think this could actually happen? And if it does, what do you think the fallout will be? Listen, I've been saying it for years. This is what college the college Tell us, Nostradamus, what have you been saying for the years? The college football teams and the college basketball teams need to break away from the NCAA. And if they do that, JT, it's only good because you still need to have some sort of governing body, right? Like you can't have the SEC doing their own thing, not coordinating with all the other conferences because then how do you end up with a playoff? How do you end up with a national championship? How do you get all these bowl games? Because the NCAA is not going to help you anymore get all the marketing deals, all the sites, you know, all these bowl games, all the logistics, everything with it, right? So if, but on top of all that, if you're still not going to pay the athletes, even once you break away, you might as well stay with the NCAA, you know, and then just keep working with figuring out how to uh, lessen the infractions and the punishments. Because if you're not paying the players, what's the point of breaking away from the NCAA? There's no point. Now, to me, there's one big thing which I believe in, the Title IX, because that's really where the school will have the issue. They can't just go off paying, you know, football and basketball players and then not, and not, necess- not playing the women's sports as well. Yeah, well, any of the other sports, yeah. yeah. And, and then having too many, uh, you know, roster, spar- roster spots and scholarships compared to the other sports. But the workaround from what I've been told and I've looked it up is that they can think outside the box and if they break off the football and basketball, they could deem those individual businesses, proprietary businesses versus an educational activity. And if it's not an educational activity, if it's a proprietary business, it doesn't fall under Title IX. So yeah. they can still have all of their sports that need to go Title IX including maybe men's soccer to women's soccer, but the football and basketball would be separate and it would not fall under title nine anymore. 
See, look at you. This is why we have you on the show. I knew you'd find a way to bring the legality into it and make it work for everyone. See, I, I, that's why I appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, strangely enough, I didn't think about the Title IX aspect of it, and you're absolutely right. That's going to be um, a tricky, dicey situation. But um, I, I think this you only make this move, like you said, if you're interested in paying the players. And to do that, you have to break away from the NCAA because it's a conflict of interest for them. The more money you pay the players, the less money they make. So that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I think – I didn't notice at first, but I noticed it in the draft. Uh, when there was a kid that got drafted that went to the XFL, I think, and he got drafted, and they were like, why did you do that? And obviously he needed the money for his family. You got to think that if – I think that we were, they were lucky. The NFL was lucky that, you know, this whole situation is happening and these leagues had to fold because I think you would have seen more players doing that because let's be honest, most guys are going to college to play sports, not for education. They're trying to get to the next level and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's time to stop shaming people that are good and have potential at a potential profession, wanting to go directly into, into that profession because in anything else you can do that. Everything is not always about an education. But I think that they have to do this because they're going to start losing the top players to entities that can pay them. And if it's not going to be you, it's going to be somebody else. What's going to happen is somebody with enough money and capital is going to come along and say, you know what? We know that the NFL says you have to be removed three years from high league. Cool. We'll find somebody rich enough to pay for the best players yeah. At least something to come play for us rather than go to college. I'm you already see it in basketball. You're yep. already not committing to yep. college to go play in the G League or overseas. Right. And that's really close to happening with football. Absolutely. And the Power Five Conference has got to do this before some rich guy comes along and figures it out. Yep. And it's going to be too late. I've, I totally agree with you. I've been saying the same thing. And if, if those schools really wanted to make it work, taking it to the next level, you turn it into a mini NFL. So you have a salary cap, you have a minimum, maybe you have a union, um, you know, a players, a college football, CFB, PA, college football, uh, players mm -hmm. association, you have a minimum, you have a salary cap, everything's all, all on the books. So the college kids, if they want to get paid, though, the flip side is guess what, JT, they're going to have to grow up quick, learn how to manage their money and learn to pay taxes. Because mm -hmm. you can't become a W2 employee make this money, everything's on the books, and then say, yeah, I'm not going to pay my taxes. No, no, no. This is what you want, all right? You're going to have a union. You're going to be You're going to be adults. This is the real world. It's like exactly. if, if that kid was 18 and went and got a job at a exactly. major corporation, nobody's exactly. going to hold their hand on how exactly. to manage their paycheck. And, and listen, Absolutely. maybe they have to be realistic and say, listen, Alabama, we know you could have a salary cap of $150 million, but you have to factor in, you know, the schools like the Boston Colleges and the pits and the Miamis that don't have this unlimited uh, budget for their athletic department. So I don't know. It may only be like a $40 million salary cap, but if you go over it, there's huge punishment there. Just like in the NFL, you lose draft picks, you get fined. Lose scholarships. Do you, there you go. How do you, That's a way do you, to do it. Let's say if this happens two years from now, how do you think the NFL and what would be their reaction to this? I think – in my opinion, I think this would be great for the NFL because they're still not putting any money into it, JT. This isn't like minor league baseball. Like, 
they're still putting no money into it. And in fact, in fact, their players that they're drafting are probably going to be taken care of well way more now. Because remember all the stuff with Tua, guess what? If we're paying him $2 million and we know we have him this year and next year, guess what? I'm not rushing him back to play, you know, North Carolina State A&T Tech. That's a great school, th- by the way. Of week shout, out to North, shout out to North Carolina A&T State Tech. We don't, we don't want to feel like we're sliding <laughs> you on the show. We are big fans. But you know, you know what I'm getting at. Like they're gonna take no, care. Of, they're gonna take care of their asset even more now. And on top of that, I think it's gonna start to increase the amount of participation in the middle school and high school levels because now they can say, "Hey, guess what? Not only do I get a free ride, I'm gonna get paid to do this, even if I'm not good enough to get to the NFL. If the league minimum there is, I don't know, ten thousand a year, that's better than what they would make." They'd have to bust their butt at a minimum wage job. Or that's that's more than they would make just being a student athlete. Ex- there you go. Yeah. I think that the, NF- the NFL, this might be a good thing for them because I think one of the problems with, especially football, I think with basketball, and I was talking earlier today with somebody about this, I think with basketball, the guys are around money so much younger because there's so many more entities that are involved in basketball that are separate from the NBA. Like, you know, you got the shoe companies and things like that. So like, if you're going to be good and like you're LeBron and you're already in the eighth grade, like you got Nike and you know, those guys already kind of funneling money to you, whether it's through your program or personally to you and stuff like that. Football, you really don't, unless you're like some major recruit that's going to a school with major boosters, you're really not seeing money like funneled into you until you get to the league. And if you're not a first round draft pick, you're not seeing it until you earn that first big contract. And I think that's why on average, I think football players are perceived as a little bit more immature is because they don't really get to see the money until it's already way further down the line. So when they first come into the league, it's like everything's hitting them at the first time. I think this is a great opportunity for the NFL to get together with these power five conferences harness the maturity of these like players who are going to end up in your league anyway as top guys and just kind of show them the right way to go like get them some money early sell them down teach them how to be adults and by the time they come to the nfl like they'll be ready to be professionals i think we may have just figured out the whole ncaa college football college basketball all that i think we just figured it out here on the program if they listen to us all right send this tape to your attorney and get this done Who's got an attorney? I don't. (laughs) Got you. (laughs) All right, so let's let's uh, stay with football. We're gonna switch to to halftime. We do need a break. Jesus, I feel like I've been talking to you forever. Uh, Your boy, Steelers great Terry Bradshaw, recently said that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback of all time. Do you agree with him? Uh, Based on pure talent, I'm not gonna disagree. With, with Terry Bradshaw as an overall quarterback? Yeah, I think Bradshaw's wrong here. Because then he goes on, if you, re- if you read, um, if, you, if you listen to his whole interview or read the article, he said that Brady, he doesn't see him being better than, now he's talking about pure talent here, better than Fouts, Roger Staubach, Marino, Montana. But maybe, yeah, Brady, maybe better than Breeze. That sounds like old man bias there. Like you're yeah. telling me as an overall QB that he's not better than Fouts, you know, but like 
now he's saying, well, maybe better than Breeze. So he's not better than all these guys, but Breeze, yes, because Breeze is recent. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't buy into it. I mean, we're talking about, JT, overall quarterback, he's got six rings. He's playing into his 40, still at a high enough level. I, and I he's know still, what else he's still like an guy. MVP favorite. Like, he's up there in the top yeah. three or four guys to win yeah. the MVP. Like, they still think I, he can do it. I don't know what else he wants. I respect all those guys. Montana, I thought, was the greatest up until Brady. And I just – I don't – there's an argument, obviously, to be made. But to me, I, I, I'm going to go with Brady now. I think this is just Terry Bradshaw, like you said, some of that old man hate. And the fact that I think that he gets no respect, even though he has, what, four rings? And that's wrong, because if you go every time they talk about who's the greatest, Elway, Marino, uh, Brady, Montana, Unitas, like you realize, like in big games, there is no one better than Terry Bradshaw. And no one fu- better. And this is funny why, why he's hating on him, because I feel like up until Tom Brady, I think people who don't think Tom Brady's the best quarterback basically felt the same way about Terry Bradshaw. You know, he got carried by the team. He was good. In, he was good in big moments. He wasn't maybe the most physically talented guy. Like when you compare him to like other all time quarterbacks, but I think he's mad that four Super Bowls is a lot. Big Ben don't even have that much. And I feel like big Ben is going to be remembered more as a Steeler, great quarterback than Terry Bradshaw is. And I think that kind of pisses him off a little bit, but like you said, Brady's got six rings. He's the GOAT, and there's no debate. And you think about it, too. Like Everybody's going to try to say, all right, but Belichick made him. But Tom Brady also carried a lot of no-name people to greatness in those Super Bowl titles. And the greatest guy he ever had on offense, he didn't even win a Super Bowl title with. He didn't win it with Randy Moss. He won it with Deion Branch. Mm-hmm. won it with Wes Walker. Like, are these yeah. Hall of Fame guys without Brady throwing them the rock? I, I don't mean, think so. This is the other thing why I think Brady's the best overall quarterback because not only is he a great leader, puts the work in, super smart, but then let's go look at the numbers. Number two in passing yards, number two in touchdowns. He's only six behind Drew Brees. And, and this is the ultimate of a quarterback. Number one in wins. I think Manning's like almost 50 behind him now. He has the best win percentage of all time, 769 compared to 711. That's a funny number, but 711 for Montana. Like, I, I don't know what else you want out of the guy. And again, it, there's arguments to be made for a lot of quarterbacks. I'm just saying, based on the info I just gave you, that I think Bradshaw's wrong and it's Brady. Pure talent? Yeah, that's different. But I'd rather have the quarterback that's the best overall quarterback than just pure talent because Ryan Leaf may have had more pure talent than Tom Brady. Oh, for sure. A- anything else on that? Or we, we, we nailed that solid? Nah, you bastard boy enough. I don't think you'll be allowed back in Pittsburgh for a while. That's all right. Bradshaw a lot of times is not allowed in Pittsburgh because, you know, he he has tended to bash the Steeler organization and uh, Chuck Knoll back. Because he's not day. getting any respect, man. It, I'm telling you, Big Ben is going to be remembered as the Steelers quarterback when people look back and it's all said and done. <laughs> all right. So keeping it with football, Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, traded to the Buccaneers. Um, along with a seventh round pick uh, of the of the Bucks, or I'm sorry, um, to the to the Bucks in return for Tampa Bay's fourth round pick. So New England gets the fourth round pick. So obviously the draft has already occurred, but JT, 
should Gronk basically unretire and come back the way he's no, doing? No, and I'm going to keep it short. No, because he's washed. This is like those guys that come out of retirement to try to get that last ring playing with LeBron. He's just going to ride the bench. That's what he should be doing. I agree. No, he shouldn't come back. He has the money. Too many injuries, like you said. Like He has he, the health. Like he, he took a year off in football. Yeah. Now you want to go back into this? Yeah, like stay healthy. You're looking good. You're looking in shape, still, still feeling good. Like you retired for a reason. And to me, I don't believe taking a year off when you've played football this long helps in any way. Because your body never truly fully recovers. Well, I don't think taking a year off if you're him helps. Like he's had right. some really bad injuries. But like a year yeah. is not going to fix that. Exactly. Even even better. Well said. So now that we've agreed on that, do you like this move by the Bucks? No, absolutely not. Ooh, okay. And okay. And well, I want to hear this because I disagree. Well, first of all, there. first of all, can we give a shout out to Bill Belichick? He's the only guy that I know that can get a fourth round pick for a guy that was retired. That's the yeah, but he also listen. He also had to give up a seventh round pick along with Gronk. Well, he drafts. They draft seventh rounders in every round, so it really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no, but I actually <laughs> I don't like this move at all. Not necessarily for the Bucks. I don't like it for Gronk because you know I, I like Bruce Arians. Ba is a guy I really like as a coach, but. The one thing he does not do is he doesn't use the tight ends in his offense. For whatever reason, he goes to the receivers, and he's shown that he does not use the Whoa, tight end at he, all. He didn't use Heath Miller? He did, but ever since then, he hasn't. Like, Arizona didn't use one. Tampa Bay didn't use one. He even said when he was in Arizona, and I quote, we pay Larry Fitzgerald and those guys too much money to throw it to the tight ends. But that's the difference. They're here, they're here to block. You got that's, you got a guy like OJ Howard. Nah, that's OJ Howard. OJ no. Howard is probably the most athletic tight end in the league. The Patriots were trying to trade for him all last year. It's happening. Give him up because they knew they would basically be handing him an easier road to the Super Bowl. And he said, he said two things there. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to. He said two things there. He said basically talent like Larry Fitzgerald. He's never had a, a tight end quite as talented as Gronk. And then you don't pay that sort of money. Which again, they're they've invested ten million here. Well, what do you expect? So they're going to pass expect to, him? to say like, but they're nah, going to use we, we him. Might, we might use him when he comes in. Like they have they to say they're going to they use him. Have it's a big that, name. If he wasn't going to use him, he wouldn't have made the deal. Come on, Donato. I'm telling you right now, you 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 can go with all the coach speak you want because Bruce Arians also said that Ronald Jones was going to be the 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 best back improved in the NFL, and he sucked last year. I'm telling you, you got to go by what he's done with his schemes. He hasn't used tight ends. And they have two tight ends on that team that are actually pretty good because Cam and Brate's not a bad tight end either. They're both, him and O.J. Howard are both but athletic. again, he didn't have and Brady. Gronk's not, at, Gronk's not at that level, man, I'm telling you. He didn't have Brady passing to him. They didn't have that rapport already. And it's not like Brady's not going to use a tight end. He always does no matter who it is. Jameis no matter who tight it is. Too. I'm telling you, you. So, listen, this is why it's a good deal. It, you've got nothing to lose. It's a one-year deal. Dollars. It's a one-year deal worth ten million. You're spending ten million on. I don't you know. Already had a tight end. You got two tight ends that you're already paying that you are pretty can, good. Use you, them. You can never have enough. Plus, this is the other thing, though. You can never have enough tight ends. This is the other. Th <laughs> what are we, the Bears? <laughs> I was, say, was going to say, go ask the Bears. This is the other thing you're forgetting. I think that was also a piece a, a convincing piece 
to get Brady down to Tampa as well. I've got to believe that was in the works with Brady coming, like almost contingent on him coming down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's the other part you're forgetting. If you want Brady, it's got to come with Gronk. I told you, it's like LeBron. You want LeBron, you got to bring his boys, no matter how close to retirement they are. There you go. Sometimes, but I still think it's good because I think Gronk will give him something. He's not going to be the Gronk of old, but he'll give him something. So, keeping in football again, you know the way I'm going to feel about this, JT. I was, I was, you know what? Go ahead and ask the question. And okay. I was worried about which way you were going to go. So I why? Actually, why? I can't believe no, because were... it seemed like too. It's it seemed like it was going to be too easy to say like, okay, he's <laughs> definitely not going to agree with this because of who it is. But I can actually see why it's not a good idea too. So All right. Ahead. Well, okay. So let let so let's get to it. Christian McCaffrey signed a four year extension. That's the key word: an extension, averaging sixteen million per season. So it's basically a four-year extension worth 64 million, 30 of it guaranteed, 21 and a half signing bonus, which was all due at the time of signing, JT. That's what we really want to know. How much <laughs> they get at the signing. Yep. Now the thing is, you got to remember, he's on his going into his fourth year, they've picked up the fifth year option. So in essence, it's a six-year contract now. He's got two on his rookie deal left, plus this four-year extension. That's the key word, extension. So after the 2022 season, after he's only into the, the extension by one year, if they cut him, he's only worth $8.6 in dead cap. So essentially what that means is if he's done, if he's not doing any good, if he's injured, after that first year into the extension, so three years from now, they can cut him. And he doesn't see the, the remaining three years of the total of six. All right. So the question is, was this the right move by the Panthers? I actually want you to go first. All right. Did I confuse you a little bit now? Yeah, you definitely did. So basically, again, he's got two years left. No, on no, his no, rookie no, 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 no. I, no, I get oh, that point. I got that point. No, I got that part. I'm just confused about which way you're going to go as okay. far as do you, do you think but, it's a good move or not? JT, what are we dealing with a running don't back? Let, right? Don't let me don't let me down. Stay true to who you are. This is a but this, this is, is what I'm back. asking you. What what do you what do I always say about running backs? I don't tag care. Them until they, tag them until they die. There you go. So right move by the Panthers. No. Why are you doing this right now? I just told you they've got two years left on his rookie deal. That's two years you don't need to make a decision. If he goes out the first game of this new season, busts his leg up, never plays again. You're on the hook for $30 million guaranteed when you didn't need to be. And the cap hit is going to be atrocious if you try to cut him after that. So the, the thing is, you got two years left on the rookie deal. Let him play those two out. You tag him. That gets you to the third year, right? The tag for Derrick Henry this year is only a little over $10 million. So basically what I'm telling you is, if you want to cut him after the 2022 season, you do that. You're not paying him nearly as much, and he's not worth 8.6 dead cap for 2023. Like, I don't understand what they're doing here. Why would you do that? <laughs> I should have I known. I should have stuck with my gut feeling and knew you would go down this route. I will say this. This so, one, I, So you knew I was going to tag him, right? Yeah, I knew you were going to tag him, and I feel like this question is – 
the trickiest out of any running back question we've ever broken down because why this, why is that the, any different than Le'Veon Le'Ve- Bell in the Steeler uh, I'm gonna tell you in why. the Steeler offense I'm gonna tell you why in a minute but I'm actually gonna give you the one the one thought that almost persuaded me to agree with you on this is that generally when you look at NFL teams that pay their running backs either like at that 10 million or more like annual mark as a running back, they're all pretty like mediocre teams, which means you're putting all your money into this, this running back, a position that you, you already know is devalued and you're not bad enough to get a good draft pick if you have a bad season, but you're not also good enough to really make a playoff push and win a Super Bowl. So it's kind of like a stopgap move, but depending on the player and where the team is, sometimes you have to make it. So it kind of goes to your point. Paying the running back is not a good thing, and I think it does handicap the team the same if like, you pay a quarterback too much. So that was where I was really kind of hesitant to, to not agree with you. But then you got to look at, the whole situation in totality one obviously i think it is a good move and i think they had to make that move because one he's the star player and you got to sell tickets like if they if they messed around with christian was McCaffrey, gonna be there next year what you think people are buying season tickets three four years from now no they're barely buying it this year he's on your roster guaranteed somebody, two years somebody somebody's got to sell jerseys they got to pay to come see somebody he's, but you he's got on the, your team he's you not got a free ar- agent. you got you got arguably the best non-quarterback JT, player in the you, league on your team you can't but, you can't mess around but, with that but you realize he's not a free agent i get it i get it but you know when that fifth-year option comes up, it's already extension time anyway. They're already talking that. And also, to your point in the past, like, why – we always say this. Why, if you know that you're going to resign this guy, like, they know they're going to resign Christian McCaffrey, why wait until he gets more expensive? Like, yes. But he's you not. Wait, you That's wait the th- thing. They're driving up their own value because guess what happens in three years, three to four years when you really need to sign him long-term? You're going to see – how beat up he is, and if he's still in great shape, good. But guess what? Ezekiel Elliott's contract is going to be gone because he's going to be cut in four years. There's no way he's playing out that six-year $90 million. There's no guaranteed money on the back end of that. So now you're doing the Todd Gurley thing. You're, you're, but he's you're not, but negotiating he's not, he's not, he's against he's not yourself. I, he's not Gurley. No, no, no. And- no. I'm not no what I'm saying is the no, contract. No, I, I, get, I, get, I get what you're saying. You I know I know you cuz you're with your you're thinking with your GM owner's cap on and you're like, "All right, what's the most cost-effective way we can do this?" I agree with you from that perspective, but this is this Christian McCaffrey. He's young and it's damn near impossible to find guys that are like him regardless of position that can consistently get 1000 yards rushing, 1000 yards receiving in the same season and play every game. You like, got he, him two more years, no matter what. What if they stink this year on offense? What if Bridgewater? Gonna, get what if Bridgewater get gets hurt? Is he? Is he really? What I other weapons? Will. They drafted all defensive guys. What if Bridgewater gets hurt? They don't even have Kyle Allen. I mean, this offense could be awful. Absolutely no atrocious. No worse than they were last year. They were awful last year. But he was. He still stood out. And you think about it. The type of back that he is, and a like, new coach, like, mm. like the Marshall Falk, which you lo- you love the coaches, by the way. I do. You, you love Brady. You never know. They're doesn't gonna mean he's going to get. Doesn't mean he's going to get along with McCaffrey. So you think of Marshall Falk, like guys like Ladainian Thompson when he was in uh, San Diego, and then even to some extent Le'Veon Bell, like those type of guys, really aren't getting the same hits that like a Zeke Elliott or Derrick Henry would just get taking 
you know, 300 carries on a season. Like McCaffrey got worked last year, but he also got a lot of receptions that he didn't have to get as carries. So his touches are going to be different. So I think he has a better chance to stay healthy just because of the type of player he is. And also, too, I think that they're going to get an MVP caliber season out of him again at some point during this deal. Like they just had one. They know they have something special with him. You got a guy that's the best player on your team. He's he's the the marketing per, he's the guy that's marketing to bring people in to watch the games. He's playing at it. He's an MVP caliber player. You gotta you gotta sign that guy and not mess around with it. Plus, this deal guarantees that their offense is locked up for at least two or three more years because it's not just about him. They got Bridgewater. I know we don't think much of him, but they got him as a quarterback. They got DJ Moore. They still I think Curtis Samuel will still be under a rookie deal. Like they got all their weapons locked up and they just brought in what Robbie Anderson too. So they got the weapons locked up for a couple of years. So they're all in on it. I don't think it's a bad move. All right. Last thing I will say on this is that Derek Henry franchise tag amount is 10 million, basically 10.4, 10.6, whatever. That number is determined, for the most part, the average of the top five salaries at that position. So that goes to tell you everything you need to know, JT. That position's one of the lowest on the, on the franchise tag values. That's what GMs think about it. Why would you bet? Why would you negotiate against yourself? Let you, we say that, but this isn't a regular running back. Let, Christian, let a guy like Christian McCaffrey. That's, what they, that's what they said about Le'Veon Bell. Said the same thing. Also, too, Christian McCaffrey doesn't get in any trouble. Like, he's damn near a perfect, like, a player you would pay. Like, if you're going to take a risk on paying a running back position, it'd be him. Le'Veon Bell didn't have that going for him. He was already hurt, and he already had off-field issues. So I, I understand why the Steelers did what they did with him. Sticking with the NFL. We're always going to disagree with this. So sticking with the NFL, your boy, Peyton Manning, who we already agree is scared to step in the booth with Tony Romo, apparently is not afraid <laughs> to step in the GM's office. Uh, Bleacher Report uh, recently put out a story that reportedly uh, Peyton Manning has had several offers from uh, several teams to be their GM to the point where they said he would have basically full control of those teams. I know these reports have been circling for a few years, but it seemed to pick up steam lately. This will be fun if Peyton Manning is a GM, but what team should he choose? None, none. Keep doing what you are doing. He's, Which he's is ducking Tony Romo. He's, he's smart. That's what he's he, doing. He's smart. Listen, if anything, in all honesty, go to the booth because it's more money than he would ever make as a GM, way less hassle. And this is the other thing I think people forget. You and I, dude, it'd be awesome to be GM, right? Like that's, that's awesome. Like we play fantasy. Even if we football. never won a game, it'd still be awesome. Exactly, exactly. But to those guys, you can't win when you've been a star player in this league. You can't win at GM with the fans. Think about it. Look at John Elway. He actually won them a Super Bowl, and they criticize him. You can't develop a quarterback. Like, oh, what are you I mean, doing with these draft picks? He can't develop a quarterback. But that's my whole point. Him. Look at him. He won a Super Bowl, and he still gets knocked on as not that good of a GM. So he's in, you would be in a no-win situation if Peyton Manning took any sort of GM job? Well, it's funny. I was actually going to say the same thing. I don't think he should take any GM job just because I don't think he would enjoy it. But also, too, I 
if he's going to take a GM job, it's going to most likely be for a team that's not really good. So he's actually going to have to do the work and build them up. So I just don't, I just don't see Peyton Manning being that type of guy. Like to me, he seems like a Michael Jordan sort of person where if he's the player and it's all about him putting in the work and focusing on himself and his performance in the game. Yeah, he's good. But I don't necessarily know if he could teach that to other people. So that's a a good analogy when you compare him to Jordan, because I think he would, I think he really does want to be an owner. Yeah. I think he, I don't know if he's built for the grind of a GM, but if I had to say, if there was a team that he should pick, obviously the team doesn't has to be in decent to bad shape. I would say the Arizona Cardinals. And just because I think that team is young and I think they have a quarterback that, if he's gonna if he's gonna affect one position on the field, it's gonna it's gotta be that guy. And they already got a coach out there that's forward thinking offensively. And I, I don't know, Arizona just seems like they're just a few good front office people away from being like back to where they were when Kurt Warner was there. So I think that would be a good move for him. Okay. Well, I can now, see that. Now with that being said, you don't think <laughs> he should he should GM anywhere. <laughs> Do you just think that the fact that he's never done it before, do you think he's getting way too much interest from teams? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I'm going to guess oh, you disagree. I, think yeah, I was, was going to say you're going to disagree. No, I think he obviously has the knowledge, right? I think even – Does he, though? He's seen behind the curtain what it, goes on. Because we're assuming – it no, goes no, no. back to the Jordan he's, thing. You no, no, assume because a guy's, a guy's good at football. He has – because no. being a good GM Listen doesn't to mean me. you have knowledge L- as a player. You didn't, you didn't even let me give – I already my, know what you're going to say. It's going to be some some you, ludicrous BS. Go ahead. You didn't, give, you didn't let me give my reason. It has nothing to do with he was a good football player. I said he obviously has the knowledge because you see it in some of the shows that he does breaking down players, analysis, and he has the knowledge of what goes on behind the curtain. He went through it with his brother. Like, he knows it would not be easy, but he would put the right guys around him as far as scouts, the salary cap guys, on and on. I think he would do a great job with that. Um, But, JT, this is the reason why I say no to this question in terms of is he getting too much interest. Football is no different than real life work. It's who you know and not necessarily what you know. While I think he has the what you know part, people just tend to love this guy. And they, especially in the football circles, they're coming to him for opinions on draft picks. Go read the articles. So, oh, yeah, I know, I know the Dolphins have consulted him over the yeah, last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. So people respect him and he has a lot of connections with not only himself, but his, because of his family. So that's the way it works. And David Cutcliffe, because everybody, there you go. That's everybody the swears way. he's a genius. That's the, I know you, you hate when I say it, but that's the way it works. No, I get you. It's, it's corporate. It's a corporate entity. So it's all about who you know, who you get along with, who do you work best with. That determines who gets promoted. I, do, I think he's actually getting too much interest because. Of course you do. No, because, and this is, think about all the guys that are actually working four teams that are next in line or, or would make great GMs actually have the experience within successful organizations where they know how to do this. They know how this goes that aren't even getting considered. And this guy's getting pushed to the front of the line. I, I, I think that's ridiculous. And when the track record shows guys that are great players usually don't turn out to be great GMs. Like I don't understand like why, why teams in all sports keep falling for this. 
like guys who are great players usually don't turn out to be good managers. And it it's shown uh-huh. itself. Why John- are you going after this? John Lynch and John Elway uh, have, are, have uh, kind of turned it around a little bit. Uh, we don't know I agree. About Elway. Overall, I Lynch agree was about you, to get fired until they just went to the Super Bowl. I agree with you yeah, in general, though. All right, we we good there? I can't change your mind, so yeah, we <laughs> might as well move on. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> I was gonna say maybe you could change my mind on this. The Madden cover came out. Uh, for the the new upcoming football season, hopefully there is one, but we'll see. Um, as long as the right precautions are taken, um, Lamar Jackson is on the cover. I hated I hated this when I saw this. I was like, why did they have to pick him? Pick <laughs> pick somebody else. Is it because of the Madden curse? No. And I oh, okay. So you're gonna you're gonna ask me? I was gonna so say, I, do you believe in it? I used to, but I don't anymore. Obviously, I'm, okay. I'm an adult now. No, I don't believe in it just because <laughs> too many people have too many people have broken it. Calvin Johnson, Eddie George, Ray Lewis, Richard Sherman, OBJ, Drew Brees. Like, wasn't Mahomes on it last year? Yeah, yeah. Won a Super Bowl. Okay, so obviously, so who, so who did you want on it? Obviously, you don't believe in it. You think it's been broken. To be honest with you, I wanted Tom Brady on it. <laughs> like, if he could be on the Madden cover and win a Super Bowl, like it'll be dead forever that there's a Madden curse. Can you believe he's never been on it? Smart guy. That's, That's why he wins so much. I, listen, I'm not a big curse guy, conspiracy guy, even though in the Italian culture, the curse is, you know, that is uh, that is a thing. Well, how, do, how do they say curse in Italian? Well, it's usually they talk about when you have the curse, you have the what's called the malocchio, so, um, which is almost like the evil eye in a way. I heard so you that, say that one time, and I thought you were talking about a like a food dish. <laughs> this guy. So, but it does make me think about it though, because I disagree with the Eddie George. He had a curse afterward. So it starts in '99. JT, are we talking? Are, see, here's the thing, and that's the thing about men. Because are you talking about the year they were actually on the cover, or like a following year? The following year. That's the curse. You can't be cursed if you've already done well. From the previous year, it's from the time you're on the cover, then what happens? Garrison Hurst, 99. Guess what happened that following year? <laughs> Terrible ankle injury. <laughs> he's, starting, he's starting off the batting curse with Garrison Hurst. <laughs> Hold on. Before you go down that list, can I just can I just say this? Yeah, I got about 20 years worth. <laughs> oh, these are – honestly, these are your cursed players. Peyton Hillis, okay, one-year okay. wonder. Dante yep. Culpepper. You no. think he was? You think he's an elite player? You knocked the Dolphins for signing him but all see, the time. But see, this is what you're okay. Keep going. Keep McNabb. Going. He had the drama with To, so yep. that season was already doomed. Gronk. He's always oh, hurt. Hold on. And what then, do you mean? Hold on. What do you mean it was already doomed? It was doomed because he was on the cover in that summer. No, it was doomed because of Terrell Owens. No, it's doomed because yes. he was on the cover. It that was doomed summer. because To had to keep his six pack in his driveway. It had nothing to nope. do with the man. So you've cover. named already a couple. Peyton Hillis cursed. Uh, Culpepper cursed because he got injured. McNabb cursed. Go ahead. Who else we got? Who I else do you remember? Sean Alexander cursed. And, no, he, you. He, but he but look, at, look at the guys on his list. Like Peyton Hillis and Dante Culpepper, they cursed themselves. Gronk <laughs> Gronk's always hurt. McNabb, I <laughs> do seriously believe, believe it was the To situation. Right, and then so Gronk I, cursed. Yep. Honestly, the Sean Alexander. I don't know where I heard this, but I always remember I heard this a couple times when I was younger. 
um, Sean Alexander had like those few good years and when got on found, the cover was never the same. When he fell off, off, like experts said that they were never shocked that he fell off because they always felt that out of all of like the running backs that like have like hot starts or they were doing good, like they thought he would be the one to fall off for whatever right. reason it can, was. Can I finish my thing? Because your name, I'm going to name guys that are big name guys. And this you is why it's a with curse. Garrison Hurst, so I was already so damn bored. I figured I'd right. take over for you. So Barry Sanders gets on the 2000 cover. Guess what happens? He never plays another game. He retires. The Lions. Eddie George. The Lions are the curse. It's not bad. Eddie George. Eddie George, a great year, gets on the cover, never has anything quite like it. Marshall Falk in 03, that was his last great year, the year before on the cover. Vic gets on the cover. What's he do in the preseason game against Breaks Baltimore? Breaks his leg. Ray Lewis misses in back-to-back years, misses games, which ne- – barely happened that happened after he was on the cover in 05 we went through McNabb Sean Alexander Vince Young tell me what happened to Vince Young after the 2008 season never the same out of the league oh nine Brett Jeff Favre. George and Vince Young happened to Vince Young Brett Favre oh nine guess what goes to the Jets we won't even bring Brett up Brett Favre goes of- to the Jets there you go right there <laughs> okay and then what else we got Adrian Peterson 2014 had a great year Gets on the cover summer of 2014 and guess or t- would be summer of 2013 game of 2014. Guess what happens? Never the same AP AB Antonio Brown on the cover of 2019. What happens the following year after the Steelers plays in one more Psycho. game? I, I don't, I don't know what else. Listen, I don't believe in the Madden curse, but I'm just saying, look at you the don't history. Believe, what would you call it in Italian? The, the Mbappe, what would you call it? <laughs> If you want to shorten it, you could call it the Maloik. The Maloik. Okay. There you I, go. I don't I don't I don't agree. I don't agree with you. If anything, I think what happens is because obviously we can we can give examples of guys that sucked after the Madden cover and then guys that just it ran through it. I think what happens is it's just football. People are gonna get hurt at some point. And the better player you are, the more games you're gonna play, the more opportunity you have to get hurt at some point. And I will say this: I am worried about Lamar Jackson. Because it's going to be, okay, he was on the Madden cover and he's cursed. I do think he'll get hurt at some point. And it's because his style of play suggests that he will. And if you look at when he, like, when he came into, since he came into the league, he's played, what, 33 out of 34 possible games. Like, that's a lot. Like, he's not, he's not missing games. He's taking all that, all that punishment. And this is what happens usually when you play more games in any sport. Like you break down at some wow. point. So by the way, this is this is his third year. He might actually get hurt this year and miss a game, and then it's gonna be, oh, it's the Madden curse. By the way, even with Mahomes, even though he won the Super Bowl, guess what? He had a pretty possible serious knee injury that everyone was worried about. I'm just saying, I don't believe in curses, but I'm just saying, look at the history of the Madden well, cover. Well, if that's the case, then why can't Ben Roethlisberger just be on the cover every year? <laughs> Because they they don't want him to get hurt. They don't want to curse him. Steeler Nation. Steeler Nation. We run Remains the NFL. Seen. How many games do you think Lamar Jackson misses this year if they play? No, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not rooting. I'm rooting against him to, you like, lose games. You're rooting well, for them I'm, not to be successful. Well, no. Well, I'm rooting against him as far as being a Steeler fan, but not to, like, get hurt and miss games on purpose is what you know, I'm it's saying. funny? 
You know what's funny? You're gonna I would never want to, I would never want pick that. them to win the division and he's gonna get hurt and the Browns are gonna win it. Oh man, be that'd sick. be the worst. I pick Baltimore. Not only don't they win it, then the so I'm wrong, but then the Browns win it. Oh all right, so let's switch gears to the NBA. All right, so we I feel like we've never done this on the show before, but I keep seeing these everywhere, so I wanted to get in on this. So uh, we're going to do one of the redrafts for uh, an NBA draft. We're doing the 2013 NBA draft. And the reason I picked this one is this is one of the rare times where the Magic had a top three pick. <laughs> they, had, they picked number two. So 2013, uh, the Cavs took Anthony Bennett number one overall, which is probably one of the worst moves ever. Yeah, and sure, the Magic sure. took Victor Oladipo at number two. At the time, everybody was really excited about. And still so, not a terrible one. But no, he's ahead. not. I, Retrospect is a really good pick. Yeah. So let's fast forward today. Obviously, everybody in this draft class has had time in the league. Who would you say would go number one and number two if we knew what we know now? The mistake the Magic made was they traded Oladipo (laughs) for Serge Ibaka. But anyway, can we both agree? Let's get this out of the way. Can we both agree Giannis should be number one? I put Giannis number one. and. It's it, it's at first I wasn't, but I saw like okay he still went like number fifteen, so they still thought he was a good player. Yeah, I thought it was. Well, I mean we have the hindsight now, yeah. right? It's this Giannis. Is, so it's Giannis, no doubt. So number two, man, I'm torn between Rudy Gobert and CJ McCollum. So if you I'm love sitting, McCollum. I do. So if I'm sitting there as the Magic, even if it wasn't the Magic, but I'm a Magic, that's my team. I go CJ McCollum. He's been averaging twenty plus points since two thousand. 15. I mean, I'm going CJ McCollum. No offense to Oladipo, but I think the injury hurt him. If not, yeah. he still may be number two because he was having a great year. I think the injury hurts him, so I go CJ McCollum number two. Yeah, I think we we're both locked at, with Giannis at number one. And it's even funny because the Cavs needed that position that he plays, so that's why they took Anthony Bennett. So it still would have been an excellent move anyway for them. I actually go on the other way with you for number two with the Magic. I'm going with Rudy Gobert, and here's why. You guys were at your best when you had Dwight Howard and everything revolved around him. Dude, Gobert is basically Dwight Howard, but with a better work ethic. He is. He is. No, I'll tell you why it wouldn't have mattered. Because if you thought he would come in as a rookie at that time, which 2013, they were starting to – they basically fell apart because they traded Dwight. If you thought Rudy would come in and basically fill the shoes of Dwight and make them relevant right away – wasn't going to happen. He has never averaged what Dwight was averaging. Dwight was averaging over 20 points a game. Like, you go look at Gobert, he doesn't hit 20 a game a, a season. But I he think just he's, doesn't I think, average it. I think he's and that's what around. Orlando needed. They needed he, score. I think he's all around more solid and dependent. I think long-term, this would have been a better pick for you guys because, yes, he might not average 25 a game, but he can get you 17 to 18, average double-digit boards every every night, Lead the league in blocks and also put up steals. And also, guess what? He's going to be healthy for the most part, more healthy than the White was, and he's going to take the game more seriously. I think he has better character, and you can Rudy, build guys and get a culture around that. Rudy Go- that's where I disagree. Rudy Gobert's the guy you bring I don't give in. a damn what Donovan Mitchell says. Like, no. First of all, Donovan Mitchell's <laughs> overreacted with the no, whole No, it has like- nothing to do with – it has nothing to do with that. Listen, you can say he's overreacting with it, but in, uh, hopefully we never get it. But, hey, that's not – I don't want to mess around with that. But the thing is, Rudy Gobert, you just, I disagree with what you said at the end. Rudy Gobert is the guy you bring in for the finishing piece. 
Because if you have McCollum, guys, other superstars will will make that super team with McCollum. They're not trying to make a super team with Gobert. Well, you can make the Gobert's same, the guy you, the you bring in third. McCollum, like he's the he's the finishing piece. It's really damn little, and those two being together aren't really pushing things forward. Like I think but the this Jazz, is the difference. The Jazz Damian, have a higher upside than the Blazers do. Damian Lillard is more. If he wasn't with the Blazers and he had to pick between Utah and Portland, and they had the same rosters. He'd be more willing to go play with a guy like CJ McCollum than Gobert because McCollum's more of a superstar. Now they can attract, hey, now we'll get that third big guy like a Bosch, defensive, a Draymond Green. Defensive player of the good. year, man. You got you draft, you, you got a potential defensive player of the year in a draft at number two. And you that's have, why the mag, that's what, why the magic are the magic. What good has that been since the 80s? You need guys that can score. You need guys that can score. You did. You took a guy that can score, a depot, and how'd that work out? You had Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. The Warriors couldn't finish them out, meaning the Cavs, because they had LeBron and Kyrie and Love who could score. So what they do? They had to bring in KD. You can have all the defensive MVPs, players of the year that you want. Unless you can score when you need to, ain't going to matter. Still going Gobert over McCollum. I just think he's a better player all around. I think he can affect the game more. So wait, you got no love for your boy Della Dova? (laughs) That's why I can't. You can't even say his name right. Deladova. Who? What, what's his first name? Matthew. You mean say it again? What is it? Matthew Deladova. That's not what you say. That's what I said. <laughs> he corrected himself. You're right. I I missed it. <laughs> I know you did. I caught myself. Trying to be funny. See, you're not funny. You're trying to be a comedian. That's not your thing. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of these Corona extra topics. Let's run through these really fast. All right, uh, sports jerseys. We know. We all have favorite ones. Uh, this was actually a really good question. So with the Falcons and a couple other teams in the NFL getting new jerseys this season, uh, what are your all-time favorite jerseys? So the so all-time favorite ones, Pittsburgh Steelers, the traditional ones, and then going old school, the, uh, the baby blue, the powder blue, San Diego Chargers. Houston Oilers is up there too, but San Diego Chargers – and then the electric blue pinstripe of my Orlando Magic in the mid-90s. Nice. Um, I agree with you on a charter, Charger powder blues. I feel like those are, like, one of the best jerseys ever. They just they just look really dope. Um, this was hard for me because I, I, I like a lot of jerseys. But my other two are the, 90, the, the 90s Toronto Raptor jerseys with the actual dinosaur on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a Vince Carter jersey growing up, so I love those. The Damon and, Stoudemire Marcus yeah, Camby ones. I mean, they're hideous, but I love them, man. And then <laughs> I had a Stoudemire, by the way. Yeah, a Stoudemire. He's the only person that has Stoudemire. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know if you remember these, the '80s and the '90s Denver Nuggets with like the city skyline on them. Yeah, like when Matumbo played there. For some reason, I just love those those jerseys, like the colors and stuff like that. So those yep. were my three favorites. All right, all right. Um, so. Going through why it's the Corona Extra topics, a lot of these topics are being brought up. For example, the 1985 Bears have recently been voted the best NFL team of all time. JT, who you got? I'll let you answer this for me. I'm not saying it, so you better better tell me who it is. I'm not going to say because I don't agree with you. 72 Dolphins. Like my boy said, don't call me when you're in my neighborhood. Call me when you're on my block. All right. So that's just ridiculous because 
anyway, never mind. 1978 Steelers, 14 and 2. They beat the 12 and 4 Cowboys in the Super Bowl, who had Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett. They beat them a second time. That was the second time they beat the Cowboys in the 70s. And that was the second time they beat them, JT. Where? On your home turf, the OB. In the OB. On that team, JT. Nine Hall of Famers make that 10 because Chuck Knoll's a Hall of Famer too. They had the number one scoring defense and the number three overall defense in yards. They had the league MVP. We mentioned him already in this show, Terry Bradshaw. Yep, but they didn't go undefeated for what, a whole season. What's it matter? You, the teams that you beat were not nearly as good as the mid to late 70 teams the Steelers beat. Agree to disagree. Next. Basketball. The 96 Bulls were recently voted the best NBA team of all time. So who you got there? This was hard because I feel like everybody just going to pick that team just because of, you know. Yeah, especially the, the last dance. Yeah, the pageantry <laughs> around it. But, like, I – Come on, like we've said this before, like the was it like the 92 93 team? A lot of people think that team was better than that, than that actual bull, that 95 Bulls team. I thought that Suns team was the best team overall that any of those six Bull teams uh played in the finals. Yeah, so there's there's legitimate debate of whether that's even the best Bulls team of all time, but yeah, they're they're definitely top two, top three. But um, I wanted to play devil's advocate and go the other way. And I think it's the 2016-17 Golden State Warriors. And I'll tell you why. Like, they're regular I, I had them. I had them number one, and then I moved them to two. I'll, I'll tell you why, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we know, we know the record. 67-15. They were 83-16 and 16 overall. They were hard to beat. But if you look at where I thought it was the most impressive was, what they did in the playoffs. And even though it wasn't that long ago, you forgot they didn't lose at all into the one game in the NBA Finals against the Cavs. So they were 16 and one during the entire postseason. And like the, the games weren't even close. Right. And I think that's the best like postseason run record of all time is that 16 and one. And you look at the like the point differential in the playoffs between them and the 95 Bulls. I believe the Bulls had like a plus 13. This Golden State team had a plus 17, which is insane, which makes sense why they didn't they only lost one game. And then look who was on that team. You had Durant, Steph Curry, obviously Klay Thompson. All those guys at the time, they're the best scorers in the game. Two of the guys on that list, no doubt about it, are going to be top 25 all time. And I think all three of those guys are Hall of Famers. And then you look at the secondary guys on that squad. You got Iguodala and Draymond, elite lockdown defenders. And you throw Klay Thompson in there, he's also an elite lockdown defender. And then when you look at that list of people as far as defense, those three guys are probably at the very least going to be top 35 all-time defenders, I think. It's really hard to argue against that team being the best team of all time. All right, so I've got a team for it because I have that Warriors team number two. I had the 86-87 Lakers up there, but I'm going to go way back. The 71-72 you, lo you love doing this. Because just so you can show that, you know, he's a historian. He went back and, you know, read a bunch of websites. <laughs> like, nobody's thinking about this damn team. Like, you just wanted to do this just to kind of make yourself look good. Go ahead. No, this is why I bring it up. Because people forget. We, we're just, we're living so much in the near, dis in, the, in the recent 
uh, past that sorry, you sorry, gotta I, go I, back. Sorry, I don't have the capacity to go all the way back and remember the great times. You got Google. You have Google. I don't either, but I've Who got Google. Who was on the team? Go right. ahead. So the 71-72 Lakers, 69 and 13. And on top of that, they have the longest win streak in the history of the game, a 33-game win streak on that team. The greats like Algin Baylor, Jerry West. Then you've got your role players, the Jim Clemens, Gail Goodrich, Pat Riley was on that team. And then must we forget Wilt Chamberlain? I mean, that team was unbeatable and they won a title. I yeah, don't know what else to say. Too, if, you, if you played the cast of Team Wolf every night. See, you just disrespectful. Disrespectful. No, no, I, I like that. That's 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 good info. I, that team's up there too. I definitely, I'll definitely give you that. I, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with any of these guys, but I mean, I, I think the point of the question is, the '96 Bulls ain't like the slam dunk end all be all answer when it comes to greatest NBA team of all time. Right. And the thing with that Lakers team, because of Algin Baylor, Jerry West, and Wilt. I think they could play nowadays because Jerry West got up and down the court. Elgin Baylor is one of the greatest ever. And then Wilt, an athletic Wilt. big guy, <laughs> yeah, with, with skill, who would stop him nowadays? Who would have stopped him on that 95-96 Bulls team? Dennis Rodman because he would have just tackled him. <laughs> well, Wilt wasn't going to have any of that. All right, really quick. I know this is definitely something you've been doing, regardless yes. of live sports or not. Yes. Food, what's your top? sports food that you love to eat like when you're watching sports so i think we got to give a shout out here to our pittsburgh sports historian bob he suggested the topic as we like to take topics sometimes from uh from our listeners so this is from him top five number one jt well let me let me work back number five cheese sticks number four subs number three nachos number two wings so what's that leave jt my favorite food of all time what is it Pizza. Pizza. Done. Yeah. We got a similar list. Five that list is, is solid. Five is nachos. Um, four, I would say uh Super Bowl dip. That's something special that we that I that we make okay. at our house. Uh, it's a little personal twist. Yeah, it's, like it's it. personal. It's personal. Yeah. Personal. Uh three, I would say probably well, I know for sure what one and two are, but three, I would have to say. A good like like some sort of good barbecue like that's that's something okay. I would love to have during the game. Okay. So whether it's like pulled pork or mm-hmm. like pulled pork nachos, ribs, something like that, a brisket, and then two is pizza. Can't go wrong with that. And then number one is the holy grail, which is wings. Can have that every day. Well done. You need you need to have the wings well done, right? Oh, well done, crispy, tossed in hot sauce. You already know how it goes. Yup. All right, let's move on to quick hitters. Let's try to keep this quick. Uh, we don't have a sponsor due to the whole COVID-19 situation, but we hope to get one soon. Uh, Gronk recently was named uh, unanimous all-decade selection. No, he was not. He oh, was not, not a oh, unanimous. He was not. Excuse me. Not. Typo was not. Do you think that he should have been named yes. all-decade? Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Uh, Andy Dalton recently signed a one-year deal worth up to $7 million with the Dallas Cowboys. He also got an additional $3 million guaranteed within that deal. Good move by the Cowboys? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Gives them flexibility with Dak. And also, they're paying they're paying him to win with talent around him and just not on Sunday night. So he'll do the same thing that Dak does. Ooh, man, man. Well, JT, we haven't done this in a while. 
Surprise JT segment. What are you talking about? You do this every week. No, we got trivia time. This is surprise JT. There's a difference. We've only got one. Oh, so oh, Tom right. Brady, Tom Brady accidentally entered the home of the neighbor of Byron Leftwich uh, by accident because he was trying to retrieve the playbook. So if you were the neighbor and you see Tom Brady in your house, what would be your reaction? Autograph, picture, advice on how to get women. Every day I can learn from him. There we go. There we go. That would be your reaction. That would be my reaction. Unbelievable. Actually, no, I take that back. My initial reaction would be, look, if you don't want me to call the cops, jump on this podcast with me, and you're going to share it on your social media. There you go. Now you're talking. Yes, that's the loyalty we wanted on this show. Yes. All right. So we've got trivia time. JT, you ready? Yes. You're never ready for this. So we've been talking about the NBA with some of those teams. Only three players in. Say it again. Sorry, you're breaking up. I didn't. I didn't even start yet. Oh, you broke up. Sorry. See, pay attention. Only three players in NBA history have won three straight MVP awards. Who are they? Three players only, NBA, three straight MVP awards. LeBron. Er, No? Nope. He won, won, what, four in a a, a five-year span or something like that? Yeah, I think he's got four or five. Yeah, he had had quite a run there. Yeah, he didn't get three straight? Um, Nope. Got to say Kareem is probably one of them, right? Er, no, damn. Will Chamberlain. That's one. All right, those got to be one of those guys. Um, Jordan didn't win three straight MVPs. Nope. No, that's what I'm saying. I know. That's why I'm not saying him. Um, three straight MVPs. Damn, that's tough. Um, you got one of the three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to count down here. Fans don't want you to take forever, as always. Five. Four, three, two, one. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Celtics, Bill Russell, and, ah. La- and Larry Bird. I was actually just going to say Larry Bird. You should have. Yeah. All right, so The Last Dance, episode one, JT, drew 6.3 million viewership, the highest rating for an ESPN original. The previous record was 3.6 million. Which 30 for 30 was it? I'll give you two guesses because we can't be sitting here forever. Shoot, there's so many 30 for 30s. I haven't heard I of all of them. I know. Um, was there a 30 for 30 on OJ? Uh, yes, that was an ESPN original, I believe. No, that wasn't. That's not the answer. That's not the answer, though. I'll give you one more guess. Um, 30 for 30. Um, Damn, there's a lot of them. There are. That's why I'm only giving you one more guess. <laughs> I haven't seen 30 for 30s in so many years. Um, what? I watch those like every week. I know, because the only one I really, really still remember that I love is the Marcus Dupree and the car racing one. What um, about the U? You don't like you don't like I do. That. I do. I love the U, but I know I know that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It I is not. not. Love the U. I don't know. Go ahead, give me the answer. You don't know Bo. I never saw that one. Yeah, on Bo Jackson. 
And then the last one, speaking of Andy Dalton, he is the only the second quarterback. He's the second quarterback to have lost his first four playoff games. If you get this one, JT, I will say, and don't look it up, I will say you know sports more than me. You, first of all, you'll, ne- you'll never say that. <laughs> but <laughs> Who was the first QB to do so, lose their first four playoff games as a starting quarterback of a team? Can I get a hint? Nope. Damn, it's supposed to be really recent. Not, not when the stakes <laughs> are this high. First four playoff games. As starting QB, lost them all. Dalton's the second one to have done it. He is the first. Who is blank? Shall we give you a timer? Because I don't want people to just jump off the uh, episode here waiting for your answer. It may never come. All right. Dante Culpepper? Ooh, not a bad guess. Y.A. Tittle. That's a terrible guess. Y.A. Tittle. Oh, <laughs> talking about. oh my gosh. So, not the greatest again on Trivia Time, JT. Well, I actually have some stuff for you. Oh. Hmm, See, you, you, you need to have it ready because the – I do have it just, ready. We can't have the fans waiting like that. No, we do have it ready. And this is my segment to surprise you and then do trivia time. Well, sometimes I want to get involved, too. I didn't agree with this. There are only two players to win NBA Defensive Player of the Year four times in their career. Who are the two guys? See, I give you easy stuff. I'm going to go with two two guys. Only two people. To win uh, Bill Russell. Eh. Give you two more guesses and hurry up. I'll put a timer on. We can't have the guests waiting. Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, there we go. That's surprised that wasn't your first guest. Dennis Rodman. Eh. It is Mutombo and Ben Wallace. Ah, Ben Wallace. That was the tricky one. Because you know, defensive player of the year, they don't matter. Um, second, second question. Really I never quick. said that. I said you want to win titles nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try guys to, that try to backtrack now. Uh, you know, recent Carolina Panther uh, safety that got drafted, Jeremy Chin. You know how much I like him, right? I mm-hmm. hyped him up on all our shows. Did not know this. He is currently getting advice on how to be an NFL pro from a relative that used to play in the NFL that is a Hall of Famer. It's his uncle. Who is the player? Mm. I feel like I may have. What position? They play the same position. Hmm. It's his uncle. I know. I've seen this. In your dream and you just, Mer- in your head, and you just can't formulate a plan yeah. to say it out loud. Give me a hint. You got to give me a hint because that's so vague. Like, that's not um, sports. That's not sports trivia. He's it's a it's a Hall of Fame safety. He's relatively new to the Hall of Fame. Oh, Brian Dawkins. No, ah. Steve Atwater. Ah, you didn't give me enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Steve Atwater is your uncle. Damn, makes it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> All right, well, JT, I like how you tested me a little bit there. I would say I passed with flying colors. 
I at least got one of the defensive players, uh, player of the years, right. So, uh, on that note, to the fans out there, thank you for listening to another episode of JT and the Don. Uh, JT, great job. And remember, for the fans out there, to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So once again, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We had a great time. And JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.